Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I am fired up for today's guest on the show because it may be football season at the moment, but college basketball is around the corner. And when I think back to March Madness, you know, so many Cinderella stories, great runs, unique teams that, that were in the mix, and the fact that Baylor won it all, it, it was a wild tournament. But but one of those teams that burst onto the scene and, and caught people off guard, that was Oral Roberts. And so today we have the head coach uh, at Oral Roberts, uh, Coach Paul Mills, and he's been there since 2017, and he actually came right from Baylor's bench. So he was on the bench with Scott Drew uh, for 14 years. Uh, he actually had, uh, early on, he had some other roles with the team, but 14 years at Baylor. Uh, and, and so he uh, now has an opportunity to be a head coach and, and just a few years in, you know, taking his team to the Sweet 16. And so I asked him about that, and his take on the run is different than my take on the run as a fan. So it just takes you into the competitiveness of, of head coaches. And so uh, it was an interesting – he didn't give me the answer that I anticipated. Um, but then last year in the Sweet 16, to, to remind all of us, so they were the 15th seed. And then they knocked off the number two seed, Ohio State, and then the number seven seed, Florida. So, uh, so a pretty, pretty cool run. Uh, but he began his coaching career in 1999 full-time. Uh, that was more on the high school level. And before that, it was, he was like doing it part-time as a, as a, on the high school level. Um, and then he ended up taking a couple pay cuts that allowed him to further his coaching career, which is fascinating. So I'll ask him a little bit about that. Um, and then he also he's a huge fan of the movie Hoosiers, and apparently has seen it over a thousand times. And so I will ask him about that. Uh, you'll you'll love hearing that. Uh, stick around uh, at the end of the interview. Uh, I'm going to unpack a little bit further the the comments that he made during the run. I asked him about it during the interview, and then I'm going to talk about it because I wrote a devotional about it uh, during March Madness, and so I want to bring that back. Uh, because it's a powerful concept that he brought up and, and something that's, uh, that hopefully will be very encouraging to all of us today as we look at that a little bit further. All right, before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. And for those of you wondering, wait, where is Oral Roberts? It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I had to look that up myself. <laughs> I did not know that. Maybe you did. So good, good for you. Uh, and and what about their uh, their mascot? I'll uh, I'll let you uh, you can a little trivia for that one. You can think about it or look it up. And and then one other note to uh, to bring up that will be interesting to to hear uh, about. His dad is a pastor, so he grew up as a pastor's kid. 
Uh, and so his response uh, or kind of some, some insight into that and how it affected his faith journey uh, is pretty cool as well. But let's do it. Our conversation with head coach Paul Mills. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the Unpacking It podcast, the head coach at Oral Roberts, Coach Paul Mills. His team is coming off a, a great Sweet 16 run and gearing up for another season coming up soon. And great to have him on the show. Coach, thanks so much. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. So we're, we're going to talk all about your your journey as a, as a coach and, and, and your faith journey as well. But but I've got to ask you first, as we continue to think about, okay, last year was awesome. Sweet 16 run. What an experience. But now you got to shift gears to another season. So, so how do you balance remembering and carrying the momentum versus, all right, we got to move forward and, and on to the next season? Sure. I, I would tell you that if you ever get the opportunity to be a head coach at the Division I level, and you make a sweet 16 game, and if you lose, lose by 30. Uh, because when you lose by two, that stuff keeps you up late at night. Oh. It keeps you up for months. And so Gosh. it's really not that hard to get motivated, uh, knowing that you were one possession away. I think as a coach, you're always trying to figure out, how can I help my players? What are the things that I could do that could benefit them to not have this bad experience again. And so it's really not that difficult at all to, to get motivated. Well, well, I guess maybe the final result was a, was a bad experience, but, but from my vantage point as someone who, who soaked in March madness, this was a, a wonderful experience for, for your university getting to the sweet 16. So so how do you even navigate that, the, the good side of it versus the disappointment of, man, we, we could have gone even further? Sure. I, I think that one of the things that happens, I'm a parent of two young girls and, you know, what you want are your kids to have good experiences, uh, but you also want them to have difficult experiences. Mm. Uh, you want them to be able to navigate a world that isn't always going to be kind. And you won't know how to navigate that unless you go through bad experiences and learn how to handle that. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there is good that comes from this. Um, and I think coaches are a lot like parents. You want your players to have certain experiences. Uh, but by the same token, you know, there's really no other way to identify what's on the inside of you unless you get squeezed. We talk a lot to our players that, if we squeeze an orange, orange juice is going to come out. Mm. Uh, if we squeeze a Coke can, a Coke can is Coke is going to come out. You are going to get squeezed and we are going to find out what is on the inside of you. And mm. if it's selfishness, when you get squeezed, that'll come out. Mm. And if it's a lack of patience, uh, that will come out. Uh, but if you have some fight to you, if you have some grit to you, uh, those things will begin to exhibit themselves. And so for me, yes, there are positives, uh, but at the same time, you're trying to develop a deeper core so mm. that when those times and opportunities come, when they do get squeezed, 
they can exemplify something that you would want them to resemble. And, and what about for you as you kind of went through the, the, the squeezing process? Anything you can share just as far as what, what you learned and how God used the, the whole experience to, to mold and shape you? Yeah, I, I would tell you that anytime, if, if you're going to run around and say you represent God, you know, mm. whether you're representing God in the legal industry, in the educational industry, in the medical industry, whatever industry, um, how well do you think you should represent him? I would tell you that you probably shouldn't be very sloppy. Uh, you shouldn't come across as disorganized. I would tell you that you should probably strive to be the best, knowing that you are representing God. Mm. And so from that aspect, I think there is, you just have to constantly ask your question, the question, did I give my guys my best? You know, was I prepared? Were they prepared? Was I able to pass on knowledge? What did it come from a heart of, of loving uh, in, in which they could, it's something that they could actually respond to. And so I think, you know, in hindsight, you kind of evaluate all those particular areas of your life uh, in, in regards to coaching and how you prepared your guys. So it, it's a good opportunity once the season is ended to go through and assess, hey, hey, how did I handle these particular areas? And was it in a way that actually represented my faith correctly? And did you feel all right? You, you... Well, uh, again, <laughs> other than losing that last one, and not that uh, not that God is into uh, winning and losing, um, but yeah, I, 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 what I felt was that our guys represented our institution, and I thought they represented their families and their faith really mm. well, and and that's what's important. That, that's awesome. Well, uh, I, I did want to mention one thing to you. So, so during March Madness, so I write a devotional uh, reaching out to sports fans. And so I wrote about something that, that you said in an interview during that time. And, and so I wanted to read what, what you said and, and kind of get you to unpack it a, a little bit further. Uh, but you said, and, and, and you hope over the course of time that you're able to fill their cup. But it's not my job to fill their cup. It's my job to empty mine. So what I do every day is, did I empty my cup? Did I invest in those guys? Did those guys know that I love them? And so you were just kind of talking a little bit about this, but this whole idea of empty, emptying your cup, uh, I've, I've, I found to be very encouraging. Wrote a devotional about it. People were very encouraged by it. So thank you for that. Uh, but I don't know if you maybe can add a little bit to that as we, we bring it up months later. Yeah, what you realize is, one, you don't really have the power to change anybody. I mean, the people, people being changed is going to happen um, through their own volition. Uh, they want to make a change because they've seen something that hasn't worked, or it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Mm. And so it is God who is causing this change, or, you know, whether they be secular, they, it's something that they don't like, and then they're going to switch things up. But the reality is, is we don't really have this power necessarily to change people. Um, what And so my job isn't to go in and try to fill their cup. Hey, these are the magic words that if I say these, I bet they switch uh, this up. As you know, you know, if, if anybody on this is married, 
try to change your spouse. That's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> and, 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 and what you realize is, is it's my job not only to pray for them, um, but it is my job to ensure that I am metaphorically empty in my cup. What mm. I am con in control of is me. And mm. I need to make sure that when I go through this process to make sure that I am empty in my cup, that I am giving my best every single day, that to where the recipients, for the most part, don't even question it. Like you are bringing whatever it may be, a level of organization, a level of intellect, whatever the situation may be that you're bringing to the table, that you you aren't, there is no second guessing that that person is emptying their cup to the best of their ability. Uh, because again, it's not my job to fill others' cups. It's simply my job to empty mine. I love it. Ah, uh, so good. Well, th thank you for, for sharing that. that that's awesome. So, so let's go back a little bit to, to when you kind of got into all of this and, and was, was reading all about you and, and, and found it fascinating that you, were, you initially were coaching uh, part-time as you're working at the bank as well. And then in 1999, you decided to pursue coaching full-time. So, so how did you, you know it was time and, and that that was truly what you wanted to, to do? Yeah, I did. I wanted to be in the gym all the time. I didn't want to do it just part time. I, I wanted to be around guys who were in similar socioeconomic situations that I was when I was growing up. And mm. I saw what education through the game of basketball, I saw what allowing me to meet other people, having different experiences, things that would occur all of a, all on account of being good at basketball. And I wanted other people who were wired that way, who wanted to be good at basketball, who enjoyed the sport, to have those same opportunities that I did. And again, I would have done it for free. Uh, and, and I wish I wouldn't have had to teach. Uh, I didn't mind teaching math, but for, for the most part, what I wanted to do was to be able to help young men who were in similar socioeconomic situations as I was, allowed them to see what their God-given talents would actually allow them to propel them even further down the road. And I wanted to pour myself into it. Well, you mentioned you would have done it for free. And in many ways, this is a cool part of the story is that you took pay cuts uh, initially uh, along the, the, the journey of, of kind of improving your, your coaching opportunities, but actually we're taking pay cuts. And, and so here's, you know, somebody that, like, like you who has a, a, a finance background yet that was the, the path you took. So uh, to me, share a little bit about that, but then also how can you encourage listeners today to not view every decision based on, okay, this, this opportunity is going to make me more money now versus viewing it in the, in the larger scope. Right. I, I would tell you that callings are holy things mm. and that if you are called to do something, if you are wired to do something, if you feel God is leading you to do something, the last thing I wanted to pay attention to was how much money was I going to get paid? Mm. Uh, I wanted to pursue that calling. And I just knew that if I was pursuing something, Psalm tells us that I've never seen the righteous go unfed. So I wasn't really worried about eating. Uh, I, I figured there would something come along the, the way that would allow me to eat. And 
what my motive was was to pursue the calling that I'd been that had been placed on my life that mm. I believe that was the direction and I wanted to sell out uh, and do it full throttle and I didn't want there to be any guessing yes there's some obstacles uh, that you have to navigate and and I think for the most part people figure it out but what I wasn't going to do was make excuses on why I couldn't pursue what it was I believed I should be pursuing. And so I just was both feet in and, and was going to figure it out along the way. Uh, that, that's awesome. And then, and then you got your, uh, you know, a, b- a big break being a, a part of the, the Baylor staff. And, and so th- this is a fascinating story because their whole story is incredible. And you were a, a, the key part of that, that journey and building uh, that, that program having been there for, for 14 years. And, and so uh, what what is the story of how you ended up there initially, and and what were some of your uh, initial hesitations? Yeah, one, if you are familiar with the story of Baylor University, eighteen years ago, one of the players had actually killed one of the current teammates, and what unraveled there in an investigation was a whole lot of impropriety, and so. When Scott Drew took over, they had to fire the previous coach, previous staff, the previous athletic director, the previous president. Uh, They were making changes all across the board at Baylor University. So when we walked in there, we knew that we were walking into somewhat of a dysfunctional environment. Hmm. And we, we went in there and Scott, to his credit, who's the head coach there at Baylor, said, quoted a psalm to us that unless the Lord builds the house, we're laboring in vain. Mm. And we just needed to be so mindful about what it was that we were building, but what it was that we were building were people. Mm. And we wanted to make sure that we were investing in the people. And fortunately, the game of basketball allows you to have close proximity with kids much younger than you. And, and so we were able to invest in those guys. And over the course of time, um, my second year at Baylor University, we won one game. Uh, my first year, we won four. Uh, my second year, we won one. We were one in 17 in conference play. And then my last year there, we were the number one team in the country. So I watched the whole pendulum swing. But it was really about investing in people, investing in young men and giving them the opportunity, how do we use our God-given talents for God-given reasons? And let's make sure we're doing that on a day-by-day basis, not only from a staff perspective, but from a player perspective. And it was a wonderful learning experience and uh, to, to have a front row seat to what I would consider one of the greatest rebuilding jobs um, in, in all of college athletics was truly a privilege. In all the sports, absolutely. And then to, to see them win the I'm national. I argue with you. No, definitely not. So to see them win the, the national championship a, a few months ago, uh, what was that like uh, for you to watch that? Because you were just, there just four years ago. Yeah. No, I cried. Uh, oh. I, was, I was sitting there with other assistants. Grant McCaslin, who's now the head coach at North Texas, uh, has done a tremendous job. Matt Driscoll, who's, who's the head coach at North Florida, We'd all been assistants at Baylor at one period of our lives, and we sat together and 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 literally knowing how much, you know, when you spend 14 years of your life and then you watch that happen, 
to to men that you know, a number of those guys on that team I had recruited, so I still knew several of those players. Obviously, very familiar with the staff. Uh, it, it was a wonderful feeling to know that those guys had achieved in our profession the greatest achievement you can get. But I also know that they were impacting lives mm. and their focus was to impact them eternally. And so all of that, just seeing that play out on a national stage uh, is a pretty cool feeling. It, it was remarkable. What, what an awesome moment in, in college sports for sure. And, and, and cool to, to hear about all your connections uh, still with them. And, and so you, you mentioned, you know, Coach Drew and, and their staff, and, and you're similar in this way and wanting to have an eternal impact on your players. And, and I'm curious, uh, having read that you grew up, uh, your dad was a pastor, and, and so growing up in, in that environment, uh, how does that affect kind of how you view your role as a, as a coach? Is there any, you know, pastor lens that, that you, you look through uh, in that regard? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the one thing that a coach does when you, when you think about the, the transportation method of a coach, it takes you from one place to another. And, and so for us, that's what we do. You want to take young men who, who are 18, and when they leave you, they're going to be early 20s. Um, you want to, you're getting them at one place, and you want to move them to another place. And so what uh, happens a lot of times is, is this is the first time they're ever away from mom and dad. Uh, they're trying to navigate these newfound freedoms. They're trying to navigate these, these new temptations. And how can you help them? Um, how, how can you make sure that you can reinforce what mom and dad taught them? Uh, is that just something, those, those, that standard of ethos only worked uh, prior to 18. You have to have a different standard of ethos uh, after the age of 18. And what we wanted to do was, uh, being at a Christian school, is make sure you have a biblical worldview and kind of being able to understand what this looks like uh, day in and day out. You know, the Bible is not written for our information. Uh, it's written for our transformation. So mm -hmm. scripture isn't written so that we can go win a trivia contest about <laughs> give me the number of animals on, a, on an ark. It's done to transform our lives to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that look like on a day-by-day -day basis? And so and what does it look like in sports? Um, what does it look like in the game of basketball? And so for us, it's kind of pointing guys in that direction uh, and helping them. You know, the Bible mentions, do not be deceived six times. And one of the times it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can do life however you want to do life. You can go to a bowling alley every day and read your Bible. You can smoke crack. Uh, what, however it is you want to do life, you and I get the freedom to do life. However, you're not going to get to say, ha ha, God, I didn't need you. Don't mm -hmm. be deceived. God is not mocked. Mm -hmm. What you sow, you will reap. And so to walk with guys through that entire process um, when they're early as, as freshmen and then moving on to when they're older, it's actually a privilege. But we try to help them navigate uh, that world a little bit better. That, that's a wonderful perspective and, and an incredible opportunity because we do change so much during the, those college years as we uh, no discover <laughs> so much. I, I think back on my time and no question about it. And, and so 
in, in mentioning your, your dad was a pastor growing up. At what point did your faith become your own? Because it, I imagine so much a part of your life and, and all of that. But then when did you really grasp it for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely in college. I had gone to a Christian atheist debate thinking that uh, the Christian would wipe the floor with the atheist. And it turned out to be vice versa. Mm. And what happened was, was I began to question a whole bunch of things. And it's, it's, it's actually, you know, basically the atheist was, listen, your parents deceive you. Uh, they told you about a Santa Claus that was never real. Uh, mm. They told you about an Easter bunny that was never real. Uh, this is one of the other ways that they try to deceive you is through this whole God thing. And, and, and obviously they had points beyond that, but it's one of the reasons that I've never talked to my kids about Santa Claus uh, is because if I knew that my parents were willing to deceive me on this one, uh, were they willing to deceive me on other things? And so wow. for me, um, it, it, it began, I went through a nine month period in college where I would tell you that I wasn't an atheist, which says there is no God, but I wasn't agnostic. Uh, I can't prove that there is no God, but I'm pretty certain there isn't. And, and so for me, I really had to navigate that world of apologetics. And what I realized is after being around so many atheists during that time um, and, and reading so much is, one, nobody will deny that Jesus was born. Um, mm. Nobody will deny that Jesus died. It's almost a historical fact. Atheists will even acknowledge it. Uh, it it's as the same way there was an Abraham Lincoln. The question becomes is, did Jesus defeat death? Mm. Did God in the flesh actually defeat death? Because I can't give you what I don't have. I don't, I can't give you a million dollars because I don't have a million dollars. I can't give you life unless I can actually beat death. Mm. And so I need to identify, did this actually happen? And there were a number of resources, Jock McDowell's, evidence that demands a verdict. Uh, there are a number of resources out there that when you really dig into this, um, it was the evidence, not only was it overwhelming that, that, that this Jesus raised from the dead, but it was transformative. Mm. And, and again, that's what Jesus does. He transforms lives. And to realize that that same resurrection power uh, abides and exists today, and you can use it uh, in all facets of your life, is what is truly the gospel. Uh, the gospel is obviously good news. Uh, queso is the gospel for me. Uh, there are a number of things that are good news to me. Uh, but this, this idea that somebody can actually give me life because they beat death, but I can fulfill that abundant life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ now and be a good steward of it was transformative for me. Wow, man, that's powerful. That, that is awesome. And, and so how long of a process was that? Did you say about nine months? You, went, you went Yeah, I, I would tell you that for about a year of my life, I really struggled with it. And, and then at the end of my junior year of college, I would tell you that uh, that was kind of where it was no longer my parents' faith. Uh, it was, I'm going to take ownership of, of my own faith and begin to begin my own journey through that process. 
I love it. Did that create tension with your dad or did he give you space to explore? Oh, no, no. Yeah. I would often ask my dad questions is like, Hey, explain this, explain that, you know, questions that were brought to you, but outside influences. And again, you can get distracted by a number of things uh, as you get into biblical debates. The reality of this is this comes down to one thing. Uh, did Jesus raise from the dead? Uh, mm -hmm. First Timothy tells us there's one mediator between God and man, and it is the man, Jesus Christ. And that is where our focus should be because we can get distracted. Well, this pastor says this or this pastor, he said this, but then he acted this way. And we can get distracted by a whole lot of things. But those people were never our example. Our example is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I had to get locked in on who is this person called Jesus and did he do what he actually said he did? Andy Stanley has a great line where he, where he talks about, if you can tell me somebody else who can predict their own death and resurrection and actually pull it off, I'll probably believe in them. Uh, and, I love that. Uh, and, and, and so for me, from an apologetic standpoint, it really was a, a, a lightning rod that propelled me further. Oh man, that's a, that's a wonderful story. And, uh, appreciate you sharing that. I, I know that that'll be encouraging. It's encouraging to me because I've got a buddy who grew up with a dad who's a pastor and, and he's walked away from the faith. And, and so, uh, it gives me, gives me hope. So I, I appreciate that. That's awesome. I'm actually going to see him this weekend. So maybe you'll listen to the podcast. So I, I did want to bring up something with you because we, we have something in common. I've got two daughters myself, uh, mine are young though. So I, I just had a daughter a few weeks ago. She's a month old. And then uh, a two-year-old. So how old are your daughters? And, and do you have any my, wisdom my, for me at this stage? Yeah, mine are 16 and 14. A uh, couple of things. I would tell you that you often hear bad stories about these teenage years. Uh, not true at all for me, at mm. least. And I can remember uh, about the time, you know, my kids were about your age. Um, mine are two years apart. And there, there was a, a grandfather who was at an event, um, and I asked him about, about, his, about the daughter that, that um, he had, and it wasn't his. It was his daughter, so it was his granddaughter, and he had been taking care of it. And I said, hey, what advice would you have for a young dad? And he said um, his daughter had suffered through some drug issues and had since abandoned that daughter, and so he was raising it, he and his wife. And he said, pay close attention to their friends. And, ah. uh, and, and he said, I didn't do a good job of that. I, I just, I, I kind of let her be her. And I really wasn't locked in on who they were around. I would tell you from that perspective, uh, I think it's that was really good advice for me. Pay close attention to their friends. Uh, our children, if they have stayovers or do things, it's usually done at our house. Uh, so that we can, to some degree, monitor it. Obviously, once they got to a certain age, we no longer had to do that. And then I would tell you, be be super deliberate in finding time. I mean, my daughter and I on Friday night, my 16-year-old, I just said, hey, let's go, uh, let's go grab a bite of pizza. And uh, and for an hour, you know, she just pours her heart out and she opens wow. up. And I think that if you're not intentional about that kind of thing. Uh, finding time, not only with your daughters, but with your wife. And, and it's just, you just leave it to win vacation once a year and you're not much more cognizant about it during the weeks and months that goes by. 
I think you're really bypassing an opportunity where they want an outlet and you're going to give a different perspective than anybody else on the face of the earth. And I would be super intentional about those two things, finding time regardless of their age and then pay close attention to their friends. That's wonderful. I'll, I'll take that to heart for, for sure. So I, I appreciate that. Well, coach, it's been awesome to, to, to hear from you and, and hear some stories and encouragement and wisdom. And uh, before I let you go though, uh, I read that you you've seen Hoosiers over a thousand times. So I'm sure everybody always asks you about it. So did you get a, a, a viewing in this summer? How many times did you watch it this summer? Yeah, I, you know, what I do is whenever we would play a basketball game, I turn it on. Um, it's usually in the background. Uh, I haven't watched it this summer because we haven't played any basketball games. Uh, gotcha. But knowing the season is fast, quickly approaching, uh, I can assure you on November 9th, which is our opener, uh, I will either the night before or that day. It usually happens while I'm getting dressed uh and thinking through things and writing down the plays that you want to run on on your card referees names uh all those things you have to remember in a, in a game uh I, I'll, I'll definitely see it the early november and it and i'll and i'll watch it for every game we play every game wow so does it give you a a, a calm is it uh, somewhat of an escape what what, what is it what's a, what about I, I don't the know. It's probably, inspiration it, it, yeah, no, it's probably just uh, dutiful. Like you have this strategic way in which you go about your day. I mean, I get up a certain time on game tape days. I do a certain process. Uh, I, I'm very intentional and strategic on how I approach it. And Hoosiers just happens to be in that in that long litany of things I do on game days. That is cool. That's a, well, it's a wonderful movie to, to incorporate into the, into the routine. So that's, that's great. Absolutely. Well, coach really appreciate the time and, and willingness to, to come on unpacking it today. And I'm pulling for you excited for, uh, for the upcoming season and uh, keep the momentum going. Cause that last year was special. Uh, even though it didn't quite land how you wanted it. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan and, and, and looking forward to, uh, to keeping up with you guys. Bryce. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much. There's coach Mills. Joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. All right, we've got a new team to root for. We've got to jump on the Oral Roberts bandwagon. And, and hopefully they make it back to the big dance. And, and when we get those brackets, we can uh, fill, it, fill it out correctly this year, right? I, know I, I don't think I had them in my, uh, in my bracket, especially going to the Sweet 16. So uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll buy in this year because he wasn't satisfied. He wants to, go, he wants to take his team deeper. He, he's got high hopes, high expectations. And they had a couple studs on their team last year. So this is, uh, this is a legit team and program that he's building. And, and I'm excited for him. So, so love his passion for uh, Jesus and, and his willingness to, to represent his faith the, the way that he does. And, and so really encouraging uh, just comments and, and inspiration from him today. But, but what I want to unpack further is the, the, the comments that, that he made about emptying our cup and, and emptying his cup. And what, what does that really look like? And so let, let me say this quote again. Um, and actually, this is what he said on Sirius XM 
uh, months ago, and I happened to, to find it, and, and I wrote a devotional months ago. Uh, but, but here's what he said. He said, it's not my job to fill players' cups. When we get done with practice, whether they receive anything I'm saying or not, I can't make them receive anything that I'm even talking about. My job is to empty mine. It's not to fill theirs. And you hope over the course of time that you're able to fill their cup, but it's not my job to fill their cup. It's my job to empty mine. So what I do every day is, did I empty my cup? Did I invest in those guys? Did those guys know that I love them? And then he also added, every day I need to empty my cup and invest in my guys, and you're hoping that they receive some of it. And I do think that over the course of time, they recognize your investment in them. And, and so I love this, this approach and this mentality because, you know, in our own lives, you know, we have opportunities to empty ourselves and to give all we have to those people around us, of course, starting with our families. And if we're you know, husbands or fathers and uh, you know, mothers and wives and, and, and all that sort of thing, uh, and then at work you know, as well. And, and so uh, and to take it a step further, as we pursue Jesus and, and empty in ourselves and, and, and empty in our, our cup, uh, and, and really what it comes down to as well is that as we empty ourselves, then we won't be so full of ourselves and, and so we can really give our lives in service to God and others. And, and so, uh, you know, when we share the love of God, we tell people the good news of Jesus and we pour ourselves out for the benefit of others, uh, they may not always receive what we're offering at first, but the investment is definitely worthwhile. And so it's our responsibility to empty our cup, let, let other people know that we love them, serve them. And, and if we keep doing that, you know, hopefully over the course of time, we'll be able to, to actually fill their cup. Um, but again, our responsibility at the end of the day, we can look in the mirror and say, all right, I emptied my, I emptied my, my cup today. I emptied my selfishness out. And, and really, from a spiritual standpoint, then we can be filled by, you know, by Christ and, and his fullness and his spirit uh, instead of operating out of our own strength, out of our own spirit, our own selfishness. And so as we empty ourselves, then we're filled and um, and God can really work and move and and, and all that. So that's a, that's a pretty cool way to look at it as well. Um, and then, of course, Jesus was the example of emptying himself. And, and in Philippians it says, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. In Ephesians it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so as we follow Jesus and his example, you know, we in turn empty and pour ourselves out. And, and then amazingly, we're filled by him because he pours into us. So that's, uh, it's powerful stuff. Did I empty my cup? Did I invest in others? And do other people know that I love them? That's, that's, uh, that's what we can do. So uh, there you go. Empty our cup. Empty our cup. Good stuff from Coach Paul Mills. And love his philosophy on, on coaching and his approach to, to having an impact uh, on, on his players and now today having an impact on us. It's, it's awesome. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Be sure to join us on our live show Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern as we unpack sports, faith, and life uh, more in a sports talk format, and, and you can interact with us live. Uh, and then we'll continue these, these inspiring interviews with athletes, coaches, broadcasters, and uh, people in the sports world uh, each week. So we'll, we'll try to drop one or two uh, for you throughout the, the, the fall. 
And uh, always appreciate guys like Coach Paul Mills joining us here on Unpacking It. And very thankful to you, for you, for listening today uh, here on the show. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.